Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. So on October 1st of this year, we began a government shutdown, a big, dramatic, accusatory, ugly, troubling, tumultuous conflict between left and right about the use of our federal money. And I want to say, first of all, that having been raised in the home of a federal employee, my father being an Army officer uh, living all over the world, I, I can understand the fear and the dislocation um, and just the, the, the nagging sense of unsettledness that must trouble a lot of families in the military and a lot of federal employees. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that uh, parents will have to go and tuck their kids into bed and assure them that everything's going to be all right and that the mean old other party is not going to steal the family bread. I, 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 I've heard those talks, and I'm, I'm sorry that anybody has to have them. I do want to provide just a little bit of comfort, though, about this process, uh, not so much in terms of my predictions, but some facts that I think will help us. Uh, the, the government shutdown, in its broadest sense, only affects about 18% of our government. Uh, in fact, I think that number is high. I think it affects more like 15% because I think there are reserve funds and special funds that they use to, to drop that number. But the, but the broader issue is this. Uh, what causes a government shutdown? A government shutdown like this comes about because the two political parties on the Hill are incapable of resolving a conflict. And I want to say that this is exactly what the founding fathers of America anticipated. And so they, this, it's actually why they built the government that they did. Uh, they knew there would be conflicts. They knew there would be conflicting visions. They lived at a time when men were shot and caned and, and uh, for, for conflicts. The wives were called you know, horrible names in newspapers. It was very personal. It was very raucous. And the Founding Fathers took comfort in the idea that they would have a separation of powers um, and that the conflicts actually would be good. It would actually be good for the country in the sense that it would bring about moderation and conciliation. We don't see a lot of that today, but nevertheless, that's what they hoped for. So uh, the, the, the fact is that this is exactly what the founders intended. When there's a serious issue, when it's a serious philosophical, economic kind of issue, uh, things should stop and pressure should build and people should be forced to come to decisions. And the people can be as disgusted with their leaders as they want to be uh, because another election is going to come around. I don't mean to be cavalier about it, but I do mean to say that this is exactly what the founding fathers intended. And, and I want to say, too, that, that part of the reason they intended it is that, quite frankly, you are being better served when there are fierce ideological battles happening on the Hill here in D.C. Uh, if everybody in D.C. is singing Kumbaya, if everybody in D.C. is all agreed and holding hands and everything's going along smoothly without conflict, then you are not being served well. Your interests are not being served well. You do not have representatives who are attempting to fulfill the reasons for which they were sent to D.C. Uh, we have a very divided country, as I'll say in a few moments, and if everybody's hanging out just great in D.C., uh, I'm telling you, there are, those interests of the people are not being represented. I, I reviewed not too long ago a book called This Town by Mark Leibowitz. It very much describes how everybody just sort of gets in, up near the same trough and people stay uh, in D.C. long after their terms of office and become lobbyists and make massive amounts of money from the very industries that they once were uh, called upon to regulate and, and uh, you know, vote policies regarding. It, 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 is, it can be quite corrupt and chummy. You don't want that. You do want the conflict. You do want the clash of ideas. You do want one branch watching the other. 
Uh, it may not be fun to watch. It's like one of the great British statesmen said. You, it's like watching, uh, watching sausages be made. It's an ugly process, but it's necessary. But nevertheless, that, that is very much the deal. And I want to say, too, that sometimes great wisdom comes from this. It's actually in the thesis, antithesis, synthesis process of politics that we often get great wisdom. Um, I've often pointed to the fact that during the Clinton administration, uh, there was some very wise uh, policy, were some very wise policies that uh, emerged, and it wasn't because of any unique genius on the part of the Clinton administration. It was because, yes, they were good at what they did for their side, but there was a man on the other side by the name of Tom DeLay, and DeLay and Clinton hated each other. They just hated each other. They still do. Uh, Tom DeLay is a friend of mine, as you probably know. I, I helped him write his book when he left office. And uh, don't agree with everything he says, but I'll tell you what, he stood ground, fought with President Clinton. They had to uh, negotiate and come up with some policies that uh, could pass. And some of the best policies that we've had in the last 20, 30, 40 years uh, came out of the conflict of these two men, who's, the veins of whose necks stick out when they speak of each other, even to this day. So you do have uh, some, some wisdom that emerges. This is not automatically a, a horrible process. And I want to say, and I say this lovingly, settle in, because long long term, this is what it's going to look like for a while. The fact is that we have a country that is just about split in half between those who want sort of the Reagan-esque message, government off the backs of the people, free market, every man achieving for himself, on the one hand, the conservatives, and on the other hand, uh, we have a, a people, about 50% of the country, uh, who believe in a more... Uh, active role for government, who look at the great strides uh, for freedom and civil rights and caring for the needy in the country and say, this is more the direction we ought to go, whereas the other side, of course, is saying too much already. It's about 50-50. It changes a little bit depending on the exact issue. And as a result, when these people vote for someone to go to office, go to Washington, uh, they are going to fight if they're doing their jobs, if they're all sitting around country clubs and swilling whiskeys and talking about how they can uh, bill companies for huge lobbying fees, well, then then you're not being well served. So hard as it is to hear, conflict is good. Now, I'm going to be watching this. I'm sitting right here about a half a mile away from the Capitol. And if this continues, I don't think it's going to last more than a couple of days. But if it does continue, if it gets anywhere near the last one in the, in the, in the 90s, which was 28 days long, uh, I'm going to take a camera and go down on the mall and show you what a government shutdown looks like. In fact, we'll do that in just a couple of days here. So hang on. There is a God. The system is actually working, though it doesn't look like it. And I'll tell you what, hopefully this will be a big lesson for those who are up on the Hill now. Uh, there are some fine people up there. But frankly, moderation on both sides would have been great. Uh, on the right, they should have understood that we needed some kind of modification of health care in this country, that it couldn't continue to be an untempered free market. It wasn't serving the people well. People were dying. People were being bankrupted. The right should have come up with a good solution because nothing was working at the time. And on the other side, uh, Mr. Obama uh, himself was saying that the ACR, Affordable Health Care Affordable Care Act, I'm sorry, ACA, was not uh, actually ready. He was asking that certain parts of it be delayed, and uh, it should have been. It rolled out yesterday on October the 1st, and in 34 states, there were total computer shutdowns. People are frustrated. The system's not working. Now, we knew there'd be some glitches. We didn't expect it to be that bad. Would it really have mattered if we waited six months? Would it really have mattered until we, if we waited until next year? A lot of the reason we didn't, next year's midterm elections. So be of good cheer. It's going to get resolved. It's actually serving you fairly well. And perhaps it'll be a good lesson. The humiliation and the hubbub will be a good lesson for 
this generation of representatives of people in Congress uh, because they're going to have to learn the fine art of mediation. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and the Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Faith of Barack Obama, The Search for God in Guinness, Lincoln's Battle with God, and Killing Jesus. You can learn more about Stephen at mansfieldgroup.com and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote, performed, and produced the Rockin' and Rollin' Podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.